Hey everybody, Rick and Robin here again with Radical Life. Yay, we're excited! <laughs> okay, Radical Life. Radical Life. We are coming to you from uh, beautiful, sunny Florida. We are looking at a high today down here of 80 degrees after having a beautiful, refreshing, and uh, things are just getting green fast. I mean, it had been green, but now it's ultra getting green. I love it. Hey, uh, we talked on the first podcast about what radical life is. We talked a little bit about the word radical. Back to basics, fundamental, can also mean extreme, far out, out there. So take your pick. Which which is it? Is it extremely out there? Is it is it extreme or is it back to basics? Is it fundamental? Is it one of those words that can be used in a lot of different ways to mean different things. And we're just wanting to talk about a radical life, a basic life, a fundamental life, a life that is lived with one thought in mind, and that is a thought of glorifying God, lifting up Jesus. The Bible says if you lift him up, he will draw all men unto himself. And that's what we're wanting to do here on Radical Life's podcast. And our editor, our engineer, is sitting right here with us. And that's Rob, of course. And I, I don't do anything but talk. That's really, I do, I talk. Yeah, you got a rough life, I got baby. a pretty rough life. Yes. She did all the, um, the legwork to find out about how to do one of these things. And, you know, the equipment needed and stuff. And she just said, okay, the studio's been built. Come on in. And and I do. I, I come in here with my cup of chamomile tea and my um, my slice of peanut butter and honey for breakfast sandwich. And I, I'm just going to share this morning with everybody this morning, this evening, this this, this afternoon, Whenever whatever you're listening. you're listening, because it's your choice when you want to listen. We chose to have our very first podcast launch at 12.01 a.m. on the 8th of April. And we chose that date because it's a day that for both Robin and I, uh, we have as a very much a memorial, a very much a reminder day that for both of us, um, because for uh, for myself, it was the day that uh, my dad went to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, on April the 8th, 2010, my, uh, my father, just an unbelievably cool guy, Ronnie... He I went to be with Jesus at 5 o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. on that beautiful, sunny April 8th day, just on, outside of Austin on the farm. You remember it being a sunny out, day? Uh, it was a sunny day. Nice. It was a sunny day. I got a song running through my head right now. Do you? It's a sunny day. And uh, I'll never forget that day. I'm sure for as long as I live, it was uh, it was beautiful. It really was. You know, it was hard as death can be. It was just, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful day. It was what an event watching as my father went to go be with the Lord as we stood around as a family and and as we prayed and as we read the Bible, we read Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it really was amazing. And for you, Robin, Mm. April 8th is significant because? Well, it is also a date of a death in my family. It was the date that my son died. And I thought the Lord was so beautiful when I met Rick that the date of my son's death is actually a painful one because it was pretty much the opposite of yours. My son stepped in front of a train 
and his life ended on April 8th. And hearing the news of that death was just heart-wrenching. And I received the news about 1 o'clock in the morning, so it was pitch dark when Eric passed. But the reason why I say it was sweet from God's point of view when he put Rick and I together, remembering that anniversary date, especially a date, even if it was a good death, it can be a very difficult time to lose someone right. and to think about that anniversary, that they're gone and they're not in your life anymore. And uh, I was just wondering how it was going to be being with my husband and him not, you know, sharing that death with me. And, and then when he told me that his father died on that same date, it made it very special. So we, we've made it a Memorial Day. We both uh, are remembering someone we love dearly passing on that same date. They died two years apart, or no, one year apart. Your father died on 2010, and my son died on 2011. It was cool to think to start our podcast on April 8th and to memorialize and just just the beginning of life, right? Right. A beginning of life. Yes. You know, you, you wonder sometimes when someone's gone, does life continue? Does life go on? And it does. It does, most certainly, because Jesus... In saying that he was the way, the truth, and the life, we believe that like him, we will one day, after our dying, we will one day, we will rise again. We will be alive like him forever. Nice. Eternal life with him. Yes. With everything that's going on right now on earth, there's just such a, there's just so many varied thoughts, but there's there's definitely a, a common fear that kind of weaves its way through the 7 billion people on the planet. And it's because of the talk of death. Mm. And the fear of death. The fear of death. The fear of death, the talk of death. The, you can't go anywhere. You can't turn on anything. You, you can't pick up anything and read something without it being uh, headlined. COVID-19. Corona. Uh, you just can't get away from it right now. I, I mean, I haven't noticed, a, seen a billboard yet, but I'm sure they're out there. But, you know, the tragedy isn't that people are dying. The tragedy isn't that people are going to die. The tragedy is to die without Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is the tragedy. Mm -hmm. If you die without Jesus, that is ultimate tragedy right there. Because without Jesus, you do not enter into eternal life. Mm -hmm. You do not enter into that place of rest, that place of peace, that place of of paradise, that place of heaven. You don't enter into that. Uh, the Bible is so plain uh, when it comes to eternal life. And God didn't put us here to make it a mystery. He didn't place us on earth to try to get it all figured out. He came to earth to show us that it's figured out and that he is the, the answer. Jesus is the answer. Still today, like it was 2,000 years ago, right. Jesus is the answer for the world today. We are going to segue right into continuing to talk about a radical life. A living a radical life. Living a radical life. For me, I began my radical life journey on a day I'll never forget. It was July the 9th, 1976. The difference between pre the 9th and post the 9th was a radical difference. 
It was extreme. It was it was crazy. It was crazy extreme. I remember in my mind uh, how I was thinking and about what you know where I was heading in life and things I wanted to do pre July the ninth. Mm -hmm. I remember those things as a sixteen year old kid, and then the things that I thought about and what I wanted to do with my life post July ninth. One of the events in my life that happened after I gave my life to Jesus was. This all happened to me while I was at a Bible camp, you know, in Minnesota. I was out in uh, Lake Coronas Bible Camp, Painesville, Minnesota. And I remember uh, very specifically, very distinctly, a moment in time that really changed me. I had given my life to Christ at this camp. I had dedicated my life to Him. I had prayed for the first time, asking Him to come and live in my heart to become born again, like it says in, in, in the book of John, third chapter, third verse, unless we are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And when that was shared with me, I said, you know what? I, I want to be born again. I, I want to know that I'm going to live forever with him. And there was this moment in time, though, I gotta, that I'd like to share with everybody that, that it really, it was like, like there was a three-part settings, three three stages to, to something this thing really getting cemented in me. The first uh, event was I was on the school bus on my way back from this uh, Bible camp, and it was packed. It was a full. It was a full house. Of, mm -hmm. It was a full bus, and we were uh, going back to you know back to to hometown from from the Bible camp, and a young gal that I was sitting with, same age as me, classmate. She also gave her life to Christ at the camp that week, and. We just began to share with each other what had happened to us. And this young girl, she said to me, you know, things are going to be different when we get back home. And I hadn't thought that through. That did not dawn on me till she said it. And then I said to her, what do you mean things are going to be different? Now, I knew I was different. I knew I was feeling different. I was thinking different. That I had you know, this relationship with God of the universe, with Jesus himself. And she shared with me that when we got back, we are going to be confronted by family and friends. Mm. And more, most specifically, she talked about our friends and how they may not be as excited about this thing as we are. You know, again, I had not thought about that. Wow, she had that. She had, and, and as she started sharing that with me, the conclusion to our talk was she looks at me and says, you know, Rick, we need to pray. And, you know, I had one of those duh moments. Wow. You know, duh. You know, yeah, we yeah. need to pray. She said, no, we need to pray right now. So here it is. This is this really cemented in me. Am I going to, on that bus, full of all these kids who had been in a camp with us, you know, so it wasn't no shock what, what we'd all heard, but what we were about to do. It was a little bit shocking, at least to me. When even she in looked, front of a bunch of believers. Even in front of a bunch of young kids, believers, yeah. you know, on a bus. You know, it wasn't quiet. It was everybody was, you know, you know, having a good time. It was just a lot of young people, you know, and having fun. And, and she looks at me and says, no, we need to pray now. So I'm like, okay. So I just figured, you know, fold your hands, bow your head, close your eyes, prayer. No. This gal stood up in our seat. Oh, radical. I don't know how she did this, but she just she stood up and then went right down to her knees. 
right there in that seat. She went right to her knees, and I went, and I'm going to do what? Well, I did the same thing. Nice. Right to my knees. There wow. we are on our knees praying, and we began to pray for our friends. We began to pray that we would have strength. Did other kids do it too? No. I'm just telling you right now, it was, as far as I know, it was just us two. Okay. You know, again, I did kneel, but my eyes were, my hands were folded, my eyes were closed, my head was bowed, but I was on my knees on a bus praying for my friends that I was about to, that I was going to see when I got back home. Wow. So, kind of like step number one. Right. Cement. I mean, it just, it just locked something inside of me. Then the, the next thing that happened was uh, when I got off the bus, I took another ride. You know, I took the bus ride from the camp to the church, you yes. know, a couple hour bus ride. Yes. And uh, lots, you know, again, prayer, sharing with each other, you know, uh, just really kept us in the moment of what had happened there at the camp. Got out of the bus and I'll never forget, my mom pulls up in the car, mm-hmm. you know, there's me and my two sisters and we're getting in the car and, you know, I'm saying goodbye to my, my friends, you know, that had been at camp with all week long. And I get in the car. And I don't, you know, in my mind, as I remember back on this, this setting, I, I feel like whether it was just standing outside the car or it was when we hopped in the car, my mom at some certain point said, well, Ricky, how's camp? And I think she was just, you know, maybe braced for more of a typical you know, response you'd get from a 16-year-old kid. It was all right you know, or fine, or, you know, I mean, or, you know, you know, get off my back or, or whatever, right. you know. Your previous whatever. attitude. Yeah, kind of my previous pre-Jesus, <laughs> you know, attitude. And that's not at all how I responded. I mm. said it was, it was fantastic. It was great. It was a great week. I mean, it was quite the, probably the opposite of what she was expecting, but I just began to share with her. Of course, with my sister sitting right there in the car, and we began to make our way, you know, from there back to the farm. Right. But a you know, what a five-mile journey. And again, it it, it it had me at a place where I knew I had, to, I, had to, I had to share this thing. I had to share what had happened to me. To your mom? To my mom, yeah. right there, with my sisters listening. Right. To share with them about uh, how Jesus had come into my heart. You know, I'd asked him in and about just how I just knew in my heart that I was on my way to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, that my destination, my eternal destination had been locked. And I just, it was just, it was an amazing moment in time there again that kind of sealed something in me. I was confessing. I was witnessing. I was, uh, not sure what the exact word is, but I I was saying it with my lips, what had gone on in my my heart and in my mind. And it just really made a difference. We got to the house. I remember one of the sets of my grandparents were there. We, you know, just continued to talk about our week. And then the knock at the door. Now, this is the ride that was like the third part. This was the third thing that happened. And this is all happening within a matter of hours, you know, in an afternoon there in mid-July 1976. Uh, which, by the way, I've, I've come to look back at the year 1976 is what I call my spirit, the spirit of 76. Oh, yeah. For me, a lot of spiritual things happened. Yeah. In 1976, as a 16-year-old, and that knock at the door was neighbor friend, one of my neighbor friends I went to school with. You know, he was knocking on the door to see what I was doing because he knew I'd been gone all week. And he said, "Come on, man, let's go to town." And I went outside, walked over to his car with him. I said, "Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll go to town with you, but I, you know, I just need you to know that 
things have changed a little bit for me. And he goes, oh, man, he opens up the trunk of his car. You know, right there in my mom and dad's yard, he opens up the truck and goes to the trunk, and he looks inside and goes, look, look what I got. He says, I got a you know, a case of beer. Let's go to town. I said, oh, man. I said, I tell you what, I'll go to town with you, but I'm not going to be drinking. Mm. I'm just not going to drink anymore. You know, it's just not going to be a part of my new life. And he looked at me, and for the first time in my life, I heard these words. He says, you've got to be kidding. You became a Jesus freak, didn't you? <laughs> You're a holy Joe. Uh-oh. Oh, man. <laughs> You're a Bible banger now. Oh, no. They got to you, didn't they? I'm like, whoa. I have no idea what in the world you just, what, I, wow, I have never heard these words before. Right. Never heard anybody called these words, never been called these words, obviously, before, because I'd never been. It's a form of persecution. Well, I'll tell you what, it sealed something in me again. It mm. locked something inside my heart and in my mind. We got in the car, we drove to town, you know, we drove right up to one of my friends who was walking down the street. And my buddy who was driving the car, you know, pulls right up to him and. The kid, you know, immediately sticks his head in, in the uh, into the car and goes, "Guys, you got you got to smoke some of this with me. I got some good stuff here." Yeah. And then my buddy who was driving looks at me. And then he looks back over at our other friend who was offering the uh, the, the marijuana. And my friend says, "Mo's going to be a priest." <laughs> I'm just like, "You gotta be kidding! This is I wasn't even Catholic, and here I am being called, already being told I'm going to be a priest." And Again, just something sealed in me. Something just locked because I didn't buckle. I didn't say, oh, no, let's go ahead and let's smoke it, you know, or let's go out and drink it. You know, let's go out and do it. You know, let's just – there was an immediate decision that had to be made, and it was easy. For me, it was a, an easy decision to make because I had had this fresh, this fresh encounter with God, mm-hmm. this moment in time where I asked Jesus into my heart and – and then I've come back and, and I'm called a Jesus freak, a holy Joe, a Bible banger. I, I'm encouraged by a friend that we need to pray. You know, and here I am yeah. within hours. This all happened in one day. One afternoon. Wow. One afternoon, probably with, within four-hour period from, from the time we got on the bus, we prayed. We got I got home, right. shared with my mom, my grandparents. Uh, my friend picks me up. We're in town. I mean, it was a series of people we talked to yeah. in town. It wasn't like one or two. It was a series of people that we talked to, we ran into. And it just all was just such a life-changing afternoon for right. me. Things like, again, it just really sealed in me. Probably how, you know, who I was going to be, how I was going to be. It was a test, too. Maybe, but I just know that it was sealing. <laughs> it was well, the I, con- like a concrete, it set. Living yeah. a radical life for Jesus is, is taking that courageous step to identify yourself with him. And that's what you did. That's what I did. You know, without being taught, without being told, without, you know, uh, without any coaching. Mm -hmm. It's what happened in my heart. It's what I saw with my mind and my eyes. It's what I, I mean, I felt things, you know, from my friends. It just was so obvious. They weren't going the right way. And I was, I knew I was. And when they would say things to me like, how come you're not going to do this? Anymore? What's wrong with you? Right away, my mind would go, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Right. You guys, I've, I've made a good decision here. Yeah. This is smart. You know, we're not supposed to be drinking. Mm. We're not supposed to be smoking this, these drugs. We're not supposed to, 
you know, be lying to our parents. We're not supposed to be cheating on our tests. We're not supposed to. Be, guys, what's wrong with me? Should be the other way. I should be saying, guys, something's wrong with you. You know, <laughs> you need to come to know Jesus. You need a change in your life. You know, for me, the radical life mm-hmm. was set very, very, uh, very quickly. And, and then the next couple of years, my last two years of high school, go on and on with the stories of things that happened in that course of really it was less than in two years, it was, but it was my junior senior year that I was. Uh, I got I got this beautiful opportunity to share Jesus with so many of uh, my my family, my friends, my teachers, uh, coaches. Uh, we got we just so many of us. There was right. so many, you know, and we were a part really of, of something that was going on in the world that was very large, uh, you know, a movement, a, a Jesus movement, very much a. a uh, a radical thing, a revival that was sweeping across our country. Uh, we, were, we were a part of that. And the, the music that we began to listen to, the events that we would go to. I remember as, as a, a senior, in my senior year, not going to the senior prom. Instead, me and a bunch of the, uh, my buddies from, from the church, we got three vans together. We got, we, I had a Volkswagen van, another buddy had a Volkswagen van, another one had a Ford van. And instead of going to prom, we took these three vans and we loaded them up full. We packed these three vans with kids and we drove to a, a local town to go hear an evangelist and a Christian rock band. And you're a senior? It was, that was our senior year. Yeah. That was the spring of my senior year. Instead of going to prom that night, we, we went to a we went to a, a crusade. You know, it was just how that's how different things that's how different we were. That's the events that we were wanting to do. We were wanting to tell others about Jesus. We were wanting to see others come to know Christ. We were wanting people to, you know, have that new life, mm-hmm. the assurance of salvation. And we just began to share that with the young people, our friends. And it was just an amazing thing to watch how many came to know Jesus during those those years, uh, before I went away to college and which is a, a story for another time. Yeah. This is what God did in my life back in, in that summer of 76, was he sealed in me in that afternoon in mid-July. He sealed in me. I was going to follow him, but I needed to take it seriously. As a young man, I needed to take it seriously. I, needed to, uh, I, mean, I was called to prayer by a friend. I was called to witness because by, by, I was asked the questions by my parents. And I was called to, to reach out to those around me, those in, in my school, by just simply, you know, living my life the way it's supposed to be lived. It was a new life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, going back and taking up the old ways. It was putting on the new ways. Right. That's that's what happened to me back there. And so for to end this anyway, it would probably just be by saying Rick Moe, a radical life.